Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. And I love what I do, and I'm so grateful for you who listen and write us. Will you, will you write us and tell us how the spring semester has been for you? I know I'm an educator. I can't help it. I think in semesters and summer breaks and the fall semester is coming. Let us know how these shows are encouraging you or how you'd like to see another subject or many more subjects. We are talking about increasing the time period of our show and including some key individuals who are in areas of expertise that I think would be helpful to all of us. Remember that we are all about encouraging women, encouraging women. Someone asked me why I do what I do, and that's my answer. I feel called to encourage women. And in this material that we use for our podcasting, which we've been doing now for about 16 and a half years, we always stay in the same four lanes. You know how a Siri is when you have the GPS on? Now they're adding to it. Stay in the left two or three lanes. Move to the right lane. You're going to turn from the left lane. Well, we stay in the same four lanes. We want to encourage you as a woman. Do you know who you are? Do you know what God's called you to do? Have you accepted him as the Lord of your life? Do you understand what it is to have core living with God? Who you are as a wife? Are you a married person? Are you getting to be a married person? Why is it difficult? Why isn't marriage working for you or working well for you? And if you've been married for a long time, we want to encourage you to reach out to young women to mentor them and encourage them mother, who you are as a mother. Motherhood never goes away. I know it never goes away. They suck the life out of you in early life, and they continue to suck the life out of you all the days of their, and they bring home grandchildren to do the same. But motherhood has its wonderful and unique characteristics, and we try to encourage you not only to be the best mother you can be and raise children that will choose God in their own lives, but to enjoy this time. And then we talk about the fourth area of your life, which is this area of keeping a home. We're always shorter on those subjects. We're always, we talk less about how to keep a home. We don't do menu planning very often. We don't give recipes out. We're kind of short on those subjects. I don't know why exactly, but I've taken some time in the month of May and June to help you spring clean, to help you get into the summer months. For those of you who are full-time stay-at-home mothers, your children are going to be around a lot, but that's a great time to teach and instruct and to help them get organized. And we've talked about the kitchen, and we've talked about the closets, and we've talked about the general organization. And and today I want to talk to you about two rooms, two more rooms in the house, and that's your closet, your closet, and your master bedroom. Now I'm believing that you have a husband who's interested in your home in some degrees. I love the new generations, the millennials, the X, the Ys. When I talk to them, she's not just talking about color and design. He is right there with her. 
I think these dishes are not as, don't you like these dishes better? And I think you go, guy. He has ownership and investment in the paint color, the rug they're buying. I helped a young woman recently redo her whole house. They did a major remodel, got rid of all but one piece of furniture, and they started scratch. It was so fun. But he was involved. He wanted a chair that was comfortable. He wanted a television that was the right size. She wanted it to be in a beautiful space, and we worked it all out. But the reality is, this place we call home, this brick-and-mortar place, and I hope you'll go back and listen to the show we did a few days ago about what is a welcoming home, what does it look like. I want to talk about the master bedroom, and I am talking about the master bedroom, believing that I am talking to a woman who is a wife and who is married to a husband, and that this room is set apart for the two of them. So, so bear with me. And if you are a divorced person and sleep in this room alone, some of these things are still important to your well-being and your rest. Sleep deprivation is a huge problem in America. Sleep deprivation and overeating are two huge problems in American culture, and they are problems that each of us can individually address. The master bedroom is set aside as a sanctuary. It's a separate room. It shouldn't be a room that everybody congregates in. Does that mean your children should or should not be allowed in? Of course they should. But what is the design and purpose of the master bedroom? It is a quiet space, a place of sanctuary for a husband and wife to become more and more a husband and wife. I remember a dear friend of mine, my age, who began to do some work from home. And they had children at home at the time. And she got a desk that was a relative of hers, you know, cast off. And she put the desk in the master bedroom. And she weaved a little corner out, and she was doing her work there. And after about seven months of that, her husband came in one night. And I, I've always thought, how bold, how great. He said, I do not like going to bed with my wife, wink, wink, in her office. And I thought, he, he understood that this place is set aside for intimacy, for communion, for conversation, for privacy. And I want to remind you that that's what this room should be in your home. If you and your husband are struggling, you might stop for a minute and just go in there and look what that room looks like. Is it your style and not his style? Has it turned into a very feminine space? Is it a space that is cluttered? It, it has the leftovers. So many times young women tell me, well, I move it off the dining room table so we can have guests and I don't know where to put it, and it winds up on the dresser in the master bedroom. One gal just recently wrote me and she said, I have piles on the floor um, next to my bed. I, I have to walk through the piles to get into my bed. Not a, very pl not a place you want to run to, is it? So I want to encourage you to take a look at it. Is it the room that gets the last attention? Oh, we got to take care of the kitchen before we take care of that. we got to take care of the dining room before we take that. The children have to be taken care of. And Mama and Papa's room get last. May I encourage you to ratchet that up to a higher place of priority. Make it relaxing. Make it beautiful. Make it clean. Make it orderly. Try not to put colors in there that 
um, are not conducive to intimacy, are not conducive to rest and calm, look for, for comfortable furniture. Be certain that you have a good mattress. Of all the priorities of pieces of furniture, we are reading studies now because of sleep deprivation studies that are abundant and prolific that tell us it's because people are not willing to invest in a good mattress. You say, oh, I don't know the difference. Well, a mattress, you need a mattress that works for both of you, and it should be strong enough to allow you to fall into that bed. I love an illustration that Hannah Whitehall Smith did many years ago in illustrating the trust of God. She said, you don't get in bed and lay your body on the bed and put one foot on the floor, holding the foot on the floor because you're not sure the bed's going to hold you. You lay down on the bed, and if you go to bed in our bed, there are little noises that my husband always says, I can tell when you get in bed even if I'm fallen off to sleep before you get in bed. And that is, I go, oh, I'm so happy to be supine, and my body is just stretched out. Now, David and I have worked very hard in our long marriage to go to bed together at the same time. It is not easy. It is not easy, and I want you to know it never got any easier. David's more a night person than I am, but I also want to stay up a little longer. He wants to do different things than I want to do. I like to read a little in bed before we go to sleep. We had a lot of issues that we needed to work through together. We decided collectively we would not have a television in our room. We have never had a television in our bedroom. We have comfortable furniture. The sheets are clean. I, my husband used to laugh that I had bed ethics. My bed ethics were that the sheets had to be really tight. That was the big thing, that he, they had to be clean and tight. Well, if I could have my own way, what I would do is have clean, fresh sheets every day. And if I really could have my own way, someone else would change the bed. <laughs> but that is a part of our plan to be together. We call our bedroom in our bed the meeting place. Sometimes David's going to be gone all day and into the evening, or, or I'm going to be gone, or if I leave for travel and out of town, or he does, and he'll say to me or I'll say to him, I'll see you in the meeting place. It's a sweet thing we have together. Make it your style. It doesn't matter if it's anybody. If you like country furniture or you like antiques or you like urban or make it, it doesn't have to go with the rest of the house. If you both love it, then do it. So the master bedroom, make sure that it is clean and orderly and comfortable for both of you. Now you have a closet and you have your own wardrobe. And in the book that I wrote, The Secrets to Getting More Done in Less Time, on page 191, if you don't own this book, you should, um, it is your life, free your life of wardrobe woes. Too many W's for my liking even now. But I would like to encourage you that in your closet, there are two things that happen. There's a wardrobe that you're creating and I want to spend a few minutes on that. And then that wardrobe is being organized and useful to help you look well-groomed at all times. I remember when Anne Ortland, in the early 70s, late 60s, she may have written that book, it was called The 
Disciplines of a Godly Woman. I think that was the title of it. Anne Ortland, a lovely old relic book, but full of great information. And she said, to help you be organized and look well-groomed, on Sunday night, go to your closet and put seven outfits together and put them in a row. Look at your calendar, what do you got going on, and line them up, one through seven. A lot of women in the church, she was a woman of faith, when they began doing that, and there was a lot of chatter about it. I did do that for a while, and it was very useful, because every morning, just like the book of Colossians says, put on, every morning we say to ourselves, what will I wear today? And for a lot of us, we don't have a wardrobe that works. So in this book, and in the Secrets to Getting More Done audio video presentation, which is a four-hour video presentation, you can buy it, and then you own it, and you can look at it over and over again. You'll hear me talk and walk through an activity wheel. That syllabus is a part of the organizational seminar. And the book that I'm recommending to you, there is also a wardrobe activity wheel. That's just a big circle that represents 168 hours of everyone's week. I know, sometimes you think you wish you had an extra day that somebody else didn't have. But the reality is, if you're watching some woman who's getting a lot more done than you are, you might see what she's doing differently. And I promise you that if you will take note in the two areas of your life, which is what you wear and what you eat, your life will be full of energy and confidence to allow you to get more done. Okay? So what do you have in your wardrobe? That should be determined by what you do in your week. 168 hours, we all have the same. How many hours do you sleep? Do you have pajamas and nightgowns? Are are there things that your husband likes to see you in, not what you like to be sleeping in, that go into that lovely master bedroom we just talked about? You need gowns. You need whatever it is you sleep in. How many hours? Seven nights of eight hours. That's 56 hours. 56 hours of sleeping. Well, how many 56 hours from 168? What do you do with the extra 100 and few hours? Where do you go? Do you have a full-time job? Do you work out? Do you go to church on Sunday? Do you go to formal events? I'm always interested when my young friends say to me, how is it that you show up to a formal event and it, you look like you... I said, well, pretty much everything I wear to formal events is stuff I own. I have this black long skirt, and I have these black flowy pants, and I have this top, and I have this little sparkly thing, and when I, I, it's in my closet. I don't go to as many as I used to, but it's in my closet. And you could invite me tomorrow, and I could show up, because I know a little small percentage of my life has a formal taste to it. I have yoga clothes because I practice yoga on a mat in my own home or at some studio. I have exercise clothes, um, swimming suits, because we have a pool in our yard and we live in Arizona where it's 110 degrees. I have these things in my closet. Most of us have the same sort of items left. That's shirts and pants and jackets and sweaters. And I'm going to ask you to do a wardrobe inventory. After you've done your activity circle, 
do a wardrobe inventory. Do you mean you want me to write down? Yes. I want you to write down what you own. So your activity tells you what you do. And, and you know, I often tell this story because it was so true. When I left my full-time career to become a mother, what I wore working in the city of Chicago, downtown Chicago, I wore heels, dress boots, suits, silk shirts, still my favorite garment, a silk shirt. And I wore, that's what I wore. Well, when I went to the store to shop for clothes, I went to the silk shirt category. That's where I always gravitated. And suddenly I realized, wait a minute, what does my activity wheel tell me? I'm at home with a baby. A silk shirt's not working very well for that costume. I needed some t-shirts and practical shirts and nursing clothes and all the things that go with it. So your activity wheel tells you what you need. Your inventory tells you what you own. And when you go shopping, you'll know what to buy. Don't ever buy something and you're standing in a store that says, oh, look at this wonderful yellow jacket. I've never had a yellow jacket. I, I would love to have this yellow jacket. Isn't this wonderful? The chances are you have nothing to go with that yellow jacket that you've never owned before. And it's probably not in your color palette anyway. We don't have time today to talk about color palettes, but wardrobe organization. After you've done your inventory, then organize your closet. You're still going to do the giveaway, put away, throw away to get rid of the junk, but then organize it. Put all the shirts together, color code them. If you have many kinds of shirts, put all the white shirts together, even if they're t-shirts and silk shirts. Put all the blacks together, put all the blues together, put all the reds together. If you have suits, pantsuits or suit suits, put the skirts in one place and the jackets in another place. You can put on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and a dressy jacket and be ready to go. Keep your shoes off the floor in some sort of container that will help your shoes stay in good condition. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about glamour because I think it's such an important part of our lives. But with the length of our show today, I don't have much to say about glamour except this. God created you to have your own present beauty, whatever that is. It's not Sophia Loren glamour. There are only one of her and been very few like it. It's not the most modern hipster vocalist. If you watch the Tony Awards or the Grammy Awards or the Academy Awards, I'm not talking about that kind of beauty. We're talking about the beauty, the kind of beauty that God created within you inside and the kind of beauty he gave you outside, and the kind of beauty your husband fell in love with. I would not be telling the truth if I told you that I only dressed for my husband. It's not true. But I do consider him. I do consider before we get ready to go out together on a date night or on a trip, the kinds of clothes that I know he loves to see me in. Do you know your husband that well? Do you love him enough to have some things in your wardrobe that not only work for you, but work for him as well? Do you know the kinds of things that ignite a fire within him? And are you willing to buy them and to wear them? This is a sacred place. Marriage is a sacred event. 
Getting married is an event. Staying married is a lifelong activity. And it is the hardest activity we'll ever do besides raising children. And I encourage you to strongly consider what your master bedroom looks like, what you look like in that master bedroom, what your wardrobe looks like, and the kinds of things you wear to not only please your husband, but to please yourself, and to be prepared for the kind of activities that your lifestyle calls for. I'm Donna Otto, and we're Modern Homemakers. And it just got very verklempt. These practical things mean so much to us. Remember, you have to get started to get finished. And I pray that your motto in life will be like mine. Finish well. Finish well. That God will look to you and say, well done, my good servant. Well done. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Thank you.